0: When's the last time you were able to network with your peers in the healthcare industry? Well, now is your chance. Join us this April with over a 1,000 executives at Becker's 13th annual meeting to hear C-suite discussions around consumerism, the nursing workforce, value-based care, and a lot more. You can register using the link in the description. We hope to see you there. This is Laura Deirda with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Bruce Rogan, the Chief Medical Officer of Cleveland Clinic Employee Health Plan and chair of the Cleveland Clinic Quality Alliance. Dr. Rogan, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot happening in healthcare right now and a lot to look forward to as well. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Sure. So I am an internal medicine physician by training undergraduate at Brown University Medical School at Tulane University Medical School and residency at UCLA. So I grew up in the Midwest, started out in the Northeast, went to the Deep South, finally ended up on the West Coast. And then I was with Kaiser Permanente, SCPMG, on the West Coast for about 15 years, moved my family back to Cleveland, where I was born and raised, about 15 years ago, and I've been with the Cleveland Clinic for the last 15 years with two dual positions. As you mentioned, I'm chief medical officer of our self-insured employee health plan, which has about 120,000 members. And I'm also chair of our clinically integrated network, which is called the Cleveland Clinic Quality Alliance, which now has about 9,000 providers enrolled in uh, Northeast Ohio. My main work for the clinic, Focuses on both the health plan as a self insured plan, cost utilization and quality. And then for the network, network expansion and management, value based contracting, trying to get us to shift uh, from fee for service more into value based care. And in that role, because I have both those roles, there's a lot of synergy between the insurance payer side of the health system and the provider side of the health system.
0: Well, that's fascinating. It seems like a really great way to bridge some of the gaps and ideally move, as you mentioned, to more of a value-based care model. When you look at that transition and what's ahead and what it will really take to push forward more of those value-based care initiatives and plans, what will it take? Is that something that you see accelerating over the next few years or so, or it's, it's still really hard to tell how value-based care is getting off the ground?
1: So I I hope that we see it accelerating in the next few years. Uh, there are some concerns and issues because we are running into a lot of headwinds right now. Uh, the clinic like other large health systems became very committed years back to the concept of population health and taking care of populations rather than individuals and working hard to get to a point where the payment model is primary care in particular based on population health rather than individual visits or individual procedures and that's where we'd like to go and that's where I think the country would like to see us go but the last two years we've definitely hit a few bumps in the road (laughs) one large one known as COVID-19 which really set us back partly because of switching emphasis on what was needed so change in priorities which we absolutely had to focus on the pandemic partly because with the pandemic came decreased utilization and decreased revenue particularly in the old fee-for-service model so we were sort of in that transition from one payment model to the next when it partly stalled out because of the pandemic and because of the current economic situation. As everyone knows, right now, it's very difficult. Hire healthcare workers, there's a lot of openings, issues around recruitment. There's significant provider burnout, particularly in frontline physicians. All of those things make it difficult to implement any sort of significant massive change going forward in the next year or two until we solve some of that. And like other large health systems, uh, we've had some revenue losses, and with inflation pressures on us, what we're seeing is that our cost of doing business is going up, and at the same time, with post-pandemic declining utilization, uh, impacting not only revenue, but also leading to drops in our quality metrics because patients aren't coming in for the care that they really should be getting under population health. That leads to issues around quality metrics, which then leads to issues around population health payments coming from the payer side. So it's kind of a perfect storm right now. High inflation, declining revenue, declining utilization, or at least able utilization, but not back to where it needed to be. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be a tough year. (laughs) I don't know how else to put it. We'll get through it.
0: Absolutely. And that's fascinating. As you mentioned, so many other health systems are dealing with some of the same issues and challenges that you are. So when you look at the year ahead, are there any big issues that you're really focused on at Cleveland Clinic in particular? How are you changing the strategies or addressing some of these issues to ideally be in a better place going forward and looking at the years ahead?
1: So, well, part of it is to continue to push for the best population health programs and environment of care that we can achieve. That requires data, so we're very excited about uh, a new data aggregator and vendor that we're moving to for our value-based contracts, including our own self-insured employee health plan. We think that um, more data and better data, and particularly actionable data, will help us improve the care that we're able to provide to our patients and our own employees and families. That's one thing that we definitely think will help us get through the next year or two, that additional data, which will allow us to actually take better care of our patient population and improve our ability to fill gaps in care. Again, leading to hopefully the utilization that we need to see, the medically necessary utilization that we need to see to improve our quality, to make those value-based contracts work the way they're supposed to work. Also, social determinants of health is becoming uh, a much bigger uh, item on the agenda. We at the Cleveland Clinic are very committed to the communities around us. Like many communities, there are significant healthcare disparities that we see in our populations. Part of the problem with getting the best possible care for our entire population is to have the data on those social determinants of health to improve our population health efforts, whether that's uh, data on the living environment, transportation issues, food insecurity, all of that will play a key role in our success going forward, both on the financial side, on the quality side, uh, and on the population health side the other thing that we're really focused on is essentially continuing that shift towards value so moving into new contracts both commercial and medicare advantage and expanding into new markets both domestic and overseas so part of the growth strategy is to increase the volume of patients that we're able to care for while at the same time improving the quality of the care for that entire group of patients so i think that there's a lot of good coming in the next year or two that will help us handle those headwinds that I described earlier. There's also challenges and the challenges are around all the things I just said. Challenges around getting that new data and making it actionable and putting systems in place to be able to use it. Challenges around getting payers to work with us in new contracts that are win-wins for both the payer and the health system. And as I mentioned earlier, biggest challenge is continuing this shift towards value at a time when all large healthcare systems are seeing issues around margin and revenue and rising inflation that makes putting all of the pieces in place much more difficult.
0: I see. And so there are, is a lot to be looking forward to in terms of the possibilities once you have the data in place and the ability to move forward with more value-based care, but certainly not without roadblocks along the way. And especially, as you mentioned, in looking at the economic environment right now, which there's a lot of uncertainty still, and even with some of the trends we're seeing with inflation and other issues. So what projects and initiatives are you working on right now that you're most excited for? And is there anything that makes you nervous too?
1: Sure. Well, there's a number of pilots that we're putting in place on the health plan side, and I've been focused more on the clinic as a system and uh, the integrated network. But uh, for our own health plan, we're very excited, uh, both because we're with a new third-party administrator and because we're with that new data aggregator. And we have a number of pilot projects that we're testing on our employees and their families with the hope that. If we're successful at improving chronic condition management and quality for that group, we can advance it to the rest of our patient population as well, Uh, some outside companies we're working with. So that's exciting. And I think that overall, it's just a question of staying the course and keeping focused on what is most important, which is patient experience that we've done a lot of work on, but also caregiver experience. We call all of our employees uh, caregivers. So you need to have excellent patient satisfaction, but you also need to have excellent physician and caregiver satisfaction for all of our employees to be able to have them able to do the best possible job that they can. And again, that's critical In a time of economic uncertainty and important for both retention and recruitment.
0: That's a really great point. And, you know, especially thinking about the times of uncertainty and where we're at today after the last few years during the pandemic that has put a lot of stress on the workforce and caregivers, whether they're in direct patient care or they're working in other areas to support the health system. For you in particular, is there anything that Cleveland Clinic is doing differently to try to really make that caregiver experience better or bake that into the recruitment and retention strategies to really help you uh, get into a position where you're successful over the next few years?
1: Yes. Among the more obvious ones are making sure that... um... Wages and benefits are keeping pace given the current inflationary environment. That's a given. We have a very rich benefit package, and we continue to improve on that every year. We've been fortunate because we've been successful with our medical and pharmaceutical insurance plans to be very cost efficient while maintaining high quality. So we've kept premiums and costs for the employees and their families relatively low compared to the national trend. That puts us in a good spot for recruitment. And we have a lot of educational programs, tuition reimbursement programs, and additional benefits that we've added in the last several years uh, to both maintain caregiver satisfaction and also enhance our ability to recruit new caregivers so those are all helpful and we hope that those will continue to be successful in terms of burnout uh, we're actually looking at a restructure that we think will help with how the physicians are supported in their frontline work and we have made sure that we are not neglecting the team effort in terms of hiring up for nurses and medical assistants and pharmacists, social workers, behavioral health counselors, all of those are critical components of the integrated team that we provide to patients, and that helps patient satisfaction, but they are also critical components in that integrated team for the provider satisfaction, so that everyone is working at the top of their license and doing the work that they're best Trained and capable of doing.
0: That's fantastic to hear. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I just have one more question for you. Obviously, we've talked a lot about the changes over the last few years and how the healthcare system will continue to evolve in the coming future, but I want to know when you're thinking about leadership, what do the most effective healthcare leaders do? in order to be successful, and what will they need over the next two to three years?
1: Well, as we've said, it's going to be a rocky couple of years. I think resilience is critical, and I think if you look at the daily Becker's reporting that we get, we see a lot of C-suite shifts, people moving quite a bit, healthcare leaders either looking for different opportunities or exiting their current situation. I think that resilience is critical. You need to be emotionally tough enough to handle the situation that you're in and be patient with those burned-out frontline providers and with staff and with all of the employees that you work with during this difficult time there's this, you know, a, not a lot of push that you can give, but a support that you need to give. And that's critical. You need to be open to innovation, because at this point, it can't be business as usual. Uh, if we try and operate the way we did pre-pandemic, uh, we will not be successful. So with change has to come an openness to trying new things, different systems of care, and Again, I already talked about the importance of patient experience and caregiver experience. That has to be predominant. The clinic is fortunate in that we've always had excellent quality and continue to have excellent quality. And I believe that uh, patients coming to the clinic realize that they're getting high-quality care, but uh, they also need to get a high-quality experience, which we've... I think done an excellent job in, but we need to stay focused on that. And I mentioned earlier, social determinants of health data, leaders need to be thinking about how best to incorporate and leverage that for underserved populations. The clinic and all large healthcare systems are playing a larger and larger role in the communities around us. It's not 20, 30 years ago where the expectation was Someone would come in to see us, and on that day at that visit, we would provide excellent care, and then they would go off for months or even years before they contacted the system again. Now, with both population health and the prevalence of chronic conditions and chronic disease, it's our job to really take care of patients in between visits on a continuous basis and not just consider medical needs, but behavioral health and social needs food instability, transportation issues. It's no good to have excellent access if the patient has no way of actually coming into the system. Uh, Even internet connectivity and connectivity issues because more and more healthcare systems are becoming dependent on patients staying in touch with us and us staying in touch with patients through electronic means, not letters in the mail and not phone calls. So uh, patients that are in underserved areas that have issues around electronic connectivity and internet are going to be left behind, and we have to make sure that doesn't happen. So the clinic has a good community health program led by some excellent community health leaders, and that needs to be a focus of, I think, all healthcare systems, whether urban, suburban, rural, or remote. We need to be doing a better job of making sure that we're taking care of the patient population holistically. And I think that healthcare leaders need to be thinking about that to be successful over the next several years.
0: That makes a lot of sense. You know, this has been a really inspiring message to hear in thinking about where healthcare is headed and where leaders really can focus more of their attention to make the biggest difference for their communities. Dr. Rogan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fun
1: discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you.